0: The podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, it's not just us today, uh, as part of uh, as part of this special podcast. We are joined by Nick Offerman. Nick, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me, Joe. Hello, fellas. Hello, Hello
0: Nick. Oh, it's great to hear your voice. It's just great. In these, t- in these troubled times, it's great to hear the voice of a friend. Agreed. Yeah.
2: Um, I w- I'd like to say right off the top here that um, because of the various uh, shelter-in-place, stay-at-home orders that have been given for everyone, I've been in my house now. I haven't been to work in a week or something, maybe longer. I can't remember. Time has no five meaning years. now. Uh, yeah, it could be five years. Um But because of that, I don't have my fancy podcasting uh, (laughs) microphone. For those of you who have been listening to this podcast since it began in the early 1970s, um, Joe and I did the first, I don't know, 16 to 18 years uh, by just shouting at our uh, computer. (laughs) And the sound quality was incredibly low and bad. And then after 18 years... Uh, we it, it dawned on us that you can buy a microphone for like thirty eight dollars, and we right. both did, and the sound quality improved dramatically. Um, but now, because I can't go to my office anymore, I I'm just home in my office at home shouting into my computer. So, generally speaking, <laughs> apologies for the low sound quality. Uh, I mean, I I think it's safe to say that you know, primary among concerns right sure. now, Erica is the audio quality of the podcast. And so the second that we get the green light, I will race to my office and grab the microphone. And the next time we do this, it will be uh, very mellifluous and EQ balanced and all of that stuff. But sure. for, now, for now, apologies for how crummy this probably sounds.
0: You know, people don't know this. This is a little bit of a podcast trivia for those, uh, for those longtime listeners. We first did this into tape recorders. Right? Didn't we just like like it hit was, the little? It was like
2: real to real, to, reel, reel to reel tape recorder. <laughs> right? We had got it was NASA overflow. Um, that when they when they went to the the Cray supercomputer, we got their old reel to reel. Right. And, uh, yeah. So we would we would we had we spoke into like a microphone that was that had a long cord attached to it, <laughs> it from the back of a reel to reel. And Joe had one of those long skinny mics that the old game show hosts used to use.
0: Yes. Stuff. Yes. Oh, I remember those. Those were great. Those were great. Oh my gosh. All right. So, um All right. So, here so here here's where I want to begin because this podcast was originally set up um to be our baseball preview podcast, which we do every year, and as people who listen to this know, every year Mike and I make 100% accurate baseball predictions,
2: correct? correct. I mean, that's
0: that's what we do every single year to the point where if you will go back and listen to our 2017, I didn't realize this. Actually, it was a reader, uh, a listener that that pointed this out. If you go back to our 2017, um, we we predicted I think you predicted. No, no. I predicted that the Astros were going to win the World Series. And then you predicted that two years later it would be invalidated. That's right. I mean. Which is incredible, Nick? Do you remember this? You're a listener.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, um, but it, uh, can you hear me? I'm talking we- in an empty manwich can <laughs> with a brain, uh, coming out the bottom. <clears throat> I, uh, I not only not only uh, does that prescience exist, but it that then brings to mind that um, on his seminal television comedy Parks and Recreation, Mike also. Predicted the Cubs winning yes.
0: the world Series. That, that part is true. Yeah, that that
2: that was actually.
0: True. <laughs> yeah, the first part is not true, but the second got, part is true. We gotta yeah, take the horse track.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that was that is actually true. If anyone doesn't know what Nick's talking about, in the last season of Parks and Rec, uh, which was uh, aired in the year 2014, I guess we the the show leapt three years into the future, so the world of the show was taking place in 2017. And as an avid baseball fan, I knew what the Cubs were up to and Theo was working there. And, and, uh, one of the episodes took place partially in Chicago. And I just said, we're, I'm just going to say that it happened. And so, um, (laughs) a character played by Natalie Morales was talking about what life is like in Chicago. And I just, they walked by Wrigley field and I had her say, um, you know, everyone's in a really good mood now because of the Cubs winning the series and, uh, And then they won the series the year that they would have won in order for her to be able to make that statement. So it is, it is, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm very proud of it just because it was the Cubs, but you know, anyone who followed baseball knew that the Cubs were going to be contenders. They'd already drafted Chris Bryant and Schwarber and all those guys. And, uh, and so it's it's not, like it's not a, it's, I, I would say actually, in terms of predictions, Joe, um, Joe, the magazine Joe used to write for Sports Illustrated, which is that—is it an extant magazine anymore? It's still it, right? It still, is, right? So <laughs> it
0: still exists. Yes, it um, still they,
2: exists. They, they, you guys printed uh, a, a look into the future and, and predicted the Astros winning the World Series, right? Uh, three years, three years in advance,
0: right? Yes, Some but like I'm, yeah. but, but I'm just going to step up and because I have to say this because because it, it got so much less press than the Astros uh, one. In 2011 I wrote a story for Sports Illustrated about the Kansas City Royals that right. not only predicted they were going to win the World Series in 2015 which they did but wrote about it like as if basically I wrote it like as a retrospective of of you know the Royals and back in the old days when people thought they were terrible so I wrote like this thing as a retrospective with the Royals having already won the 2015 World Series. So you know I think First of all, you get full marks for that Cubs thing, because even though, yeah, Theo was there and they had drafted a couple of good players, I mean, you know, look, really good teams don't win the World Series all the time. So you you get full marks.
2: It's still hard to win the World Series. And so predictions like that, you do get to do a little victory lap. I would say that in terms of our podcast predictions, which we do every year with 100% accuracy, the the key to those, and obviously we won't really get to do them this year, but the key to those, uh, anyone can do it. Uh, and the way the way to do it, if you're interested in making 100% accurate um, predictions about an upcoming baseball season on a podcast, it's very simple. You make the predictions, you, you do your research, right? And you, and you analyze the data and you make your predictions. And now here's the key. You never go back and review <laughs> what you said. And that to me is really the key. And that's part of the magic formula that Joe and I have followed is you just never, you instantly forget what you predicted. You never go back and look at it. And then you just declare that you were 100% right. And you basically dare people to go back and be wrong. And if they do, you don't have to read them, you know, pointing out that you're wrong. You can just live in a world where you were right 100% of the time. It really is achievable uh, by anyone.
0: It's particularly achievable if you do a podcast that nobody would actually go back and listen to. Like that helps. Yes. Oh, that's
2: that's another key. Yeah. Make your podcast so interminably long and meaningless and unimportant that the thought of reviewing old episodes, even for research purposes, is so horrifying and anathema to your basic conception of how to live on earth that you basically insure yourself against anyone ever doing that. That That's the other part of the magic formula.
0: It's, exactly it's worked so well for us through the years it's worked oh so God. well so unfortunately we cannot do our our baseball predictions uh which is which is extraordinarily sad and uh, but we're not going to be this is not going to be a sad pod. it's going to be a meaningless podcast like they all are we're not going sad on this one but there you go. i do need to ask you both first of all how how are you handling the you know look there's so many bigger things in the world going on but Baseball season where our bodies are attuned for baseball season. This time of year, we're attuned for opening day. This is, this is our moment and uh, and we're not going to have it. And frankly, we just don't even know. Like, I don't know if either of you have a prediction about uh, where this is going to go because it it, it feels foolish. The, 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 the whole circumstances of the world are changing by minute, forget by day or week. Uh, But how are you handling, uh, you know, no baseball?
2: Nick?
1: Oh gosh. I, um, I am having a tough time with no baseball. I mean, it's, you know, this is when, uh, this is the time of year that Javi Baez has me giggling three (laughs) to seven times a day. Um, and so I'm doing my best to, uh, you know, to find the silver lining in, in the situation in general. I mean, first of all, Uh, my wife and I are very fortunate. You know, we, we're not worried about our next paycheck. We've, we've socked away a little bit of our crazy television money in the bank. So we have plenty of peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm just doing my best to, uh, to get outside and enjoy nature and also read books, two things that I always wish I had more time to do. Um, and, you know, I mean, I might as well just dive right in and say, I can't believe, um, you know, for, for what it's worth to our 17 listeners, uh, in case you haven't received the information, which apparently not everyone has, uh, there's a dangerous virus sweeping the planet, and, and the most important thing we can do is social distance, stay away from each other, and stay in our homes that has been proven to be by far the most effective thing to do. And apparently there are leaders, especially in the country of the United States of America that are not getting that message across, which is baffling to me. So, uh, so that's my, that's how I'm coping is reading books and getting outside and encouraging others uh, to do the same.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's right. Mike.
2: Um, yeah, I, you know, I'm with Nick. I'm fortunate in the sense of I I have financial security, which is, feels like an incredible blessing right now. And, um, you know, my problems are the problems of, um, you know, uh, the luckiest among us, which are things like my kids are driving me crazy and they're (laughs) bored and it's up to me suddenly to entertain them 24 hours a day. Um, and, uh, you know, like Nick said, there, there, this social distancing thing stinks. You know, I I miss, I I go to work, um, in, in writer's rooms and writer's rooms are unique places filled with the world's funniest people. And you go in and you laugh all day, every day, even when things are bleak on your show, you are still laughing all the time. And I would give literally anything to be back there, uh, instead of doing work over zoom, like everybody else is. Um, but I read this article. where at a certain point we have to just moneyball this stuff. You know, we, we have to just, we have to math it up and math is uh, not fun for a lot of people because um, it's a little bit impenetrable and it's sometimes it's counterintuitive. But I read this article yesterday that said, basically it was by a, I believe an epidemiologist who basically said, look, if we could all, if you could wave a magic wand and freeze everybody in place where they are. Uh, six feet away from everybody else for 14 days, this would be over. Like the virus would die out because it had no, we would have no way to keep moving through the population. The people who were sick could, you know, be isolated and get treatment. And then it would be over. The virus would be dead. And so obviously that's impossible, but the key is to do the closest that you can to that and that means everybody stays home and doesn't get near anybody else. And the people who are sick hopefully can uh, at some point in this country get tested properly. Um, and so, yeah, we're, that's, that's what we're doing and we're, we're being pretty hardline about it. And a lot of people in LA are being hardline about it and it's really no fun at all. It is the opposite of what human beings have evolved over millions and billions of years to become, which is social animals who enjoy each other's company and, um, but uh, it's vitally important, and if you're if you happen to be listening to this and you don't think it's important, um, poke around a little bit on the internet, and you'll find a, exactly how important it is. And so, all that being said, when you get to the much less important aspect of baseball or sports in general, that also is killing me. Um, I um, I was extremely invested in the NBA season, and that obviously came to a grinding halt. I was watching that Jazz game live when the when the weirdness happened with Rudy Gobert and. And the game being canceled and it was the first indication that this was this was not something that was containable that like now it's going to sports has sports is a little bit of a bellwether for the country and i think um that game getting shut down for me was like oh this is now everyone has to stop there's no more equivocating there's no more um there's no more well maybe this and maybe that and maybe we can do this and maybe we can do that i will say however um as much as I miss sports, I will say that I believe that Rudy Gobert, uh, world famous idiot Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. um, I I I believe that Rudy Gobert may have saved 150 thousand lives, uh, yeah. and that, that's not an exaggeration because Rudy Gobert, being a famous person and a famously strong and healthy person, um, being diagnosed with the with the virus and also displaying the exact kind of selfish idiocy that people, some people are still uh, displaying, by the way, in the world. Um, But that him, him being, him displaying that idiocy and then get essentially getting that game shut down and then getting the league shut down within an hour, I think had the effect that for a lot of people that it had on me, which is to say like, this is really no joke. This is everywhere. It's going everywhere. We all have to stop everything we're doing. Nothing is going to be the same tomorrow that it was yesterday. And I honestly believe that if if he caused even a million people to wake up and begin to change their daily habits and routines, the way that math works um, with when you have kind of this logarithmic expansion of a, of a viral plague I believe that Rudy Gobert, and I think also Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson getting diagnosed had the same effect. I believe those people are, in different ways, um, going going to have ended up saving hundreds of thousands of lives. So thank you, world-famous moron Rudy (laughs) Gobert. Um, By being such a world-famous moron that you uh, became the face of this epidemic in American sports, I believe that you caused... Uh, no joke, hundreds of thousands of people from losing their lives and I thank you for it
0: well i you know I think that there really is something to be said about um sports in general uh you know i mean look it's it's it stinks to to have no sports going on i mean we're not comparing it to what really matters in the world, but specific to sports it stinks, and yet there is no doubt in my mind that. When they shut down the uh, tennis tournament, when they shut down the you know, after Rudy Gobert, they shut down the NBA season, and then quickly shut down the uh, baseball season. Uh, and then, you know, of course, on and on, golf, you know, and each step along the way, it, it seemed to get a little more serious. Today, it's it looks like they're going to announce that they've uh, postponed the Olympics. Right. But each step of the way, whether it was the Masters or whatever, I think opened up A lot of eyes i mean i think there are people that just kind of you know i mean and 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 i don't even blame people at the at the start for wondering well how what is this like this field doesn't is this a flu i mean how is this different we've heard of even of of various pandemics uh that that have hit through the years and 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 they've never you know they've they've you know, there was there was a famous one under Obama that that, uh, you know, there was panic about, but but did not turn out to be, uh, you know, quite the nationwide thing. And and so it's almost like each of these sports cancellations has played an outsized role, I think, in, in helping people see that this is really, really serious.
2: No question. I mean, I, there's a, there's a video that made the rounds yesterday where they were sort of addressing this like isn't it just like the flu blah 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 and right. this guy was like look the the average influenza virus each person who gets it infects 1.4 people i don't know if you guys saw this and yes, I did. It was like okay so you know you you get it and you infect 1.4 people and then the each of those 1.4 people affects what uh, 1.4 other people and he said if you go out 10 levels of people infecting each other uh 10 interactions or 10 days of like infectious spread that means that after a day instead of one person there's 14 people who have it right because right. it's 1.4 times 10 um but the the coronavirus the novel coronavirus covid-19 has a uh an average infection rate of 3 now 3 doesn't sound that much more than 1.4 like so what each person infects 3 people instead of 1.4 but if you go out 10 levels of infection and each of those three people infects three others and et cetera, et cetera, after 10 levels, instead of 14 people being sick, it's 59,000. Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say we gotta math that we gotta math it up here. Like you, you it's hard to understand how much more dangerous an infection rate of three people per person is than 1.4. But the difference between 59,000 and 14 is a pretty good way to demonstrate it. And um So again, when Rudy Gobert touches everybody's microphone with a little French smirk on his face, uh, or or Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson suddenly get sick, um, and you realize that this is a thing that can infect anyone at any point, and has no, it has, it's not a thing that's confined to Hong Kong or or Singapore or South Korea or France or Italy or anywhere. Or old or young. Um, or old or yeah. young. Or, yeah, it's not just old people on cruise ships. It's literally, you know, a woman wrote a piece today in the New York Times about she's 29 years old and she was just in the hospital. Yeah, um, She has had no underlying health conditions and blah, 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 blah. Like, you have to just approach this like you're Billy Bean and you're just doing a mathematical accounting of how to how to navigate um, this really tough time. And the like Nick said, the only the only thing we can do is stay inside. That's it. And, it. and it's no fun and there's no sports and that stinks. And, um, you know, the, the, the Celtics were, were playing really well and I don't get to watch them anymore and that stinks. And Liverpool has 25 points up on the, on the rest of the Premier League and we're, we're literally two wins away or Man City losses away from hoisting the trophy, which Liverpool fans have waited 30 years to see and now, will that ever happen? Dunno. That stinks. Like this all stinks. But the only way through it, like it, we we could pretend that it's okay to go outside again, and all that would happen is this would go on a lot longer. It's that that's the only um, result of people moving around and and going to beaches and and partying with each other and and throwing caution to the wind and drinking in bars. The only thing you're doing is extending the amount of time and the amount of suffering that people are gonna feel. So. If for some reason you're listening to this and you don't, and you're in a loud bar with 65 other people, <laughs> uh, go home and stay there, please. Uh, it's the only thing that's going to work.
0: What are the odds that somebody is in a loud bar listening to this right now? That's probably zero. You know, the odd, so, you know. there's there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. You know, I never thought about this uh, until you sort of mentioned it, but if the n b a if it had been not been Rudy gobert, if it had been a different player, or if Rudy Gobert had not decided to just grab all of those microphones in some sort of weird joke of some sort would would people have been struck as hard by, like if the n b a had said, oh, you know some random player had tested positive and and you know the league was was going to investigate and and you know and slowly you know make the decisions to shut down or whatever it was you know however it naturally would have happened rather than this big bold statement where a guy who had already made news for being kind of a jerk um suddenly at the very last second they find out that he tested positive and have to cancel the game after uh you know after they were there waiting for the tip off um, I wonder if it had happened differently, if there would have been quite the same reaction. I think I think things might have taken a little bit longer if it hadn't been for that. You might be right. I mean, I think the key
2: is that he was. Th- there's a couple key parts of it being Rudy Gobert to me. One of them is that he he's famously like enormous and incredibly strong and powerful guy. Yes. And it's like yeah. it's like Dwight Howard or. Or when it's, he's not like a, it's not like Isaiah Thomas or like some, or right, like, a, right. so, so there, there was something kind of weirdly symbolic about like, yes, the strongest, most powerful, uh, healthiest people in the world get sick from this virus. It doesn't save you to be, to look like Rudy Gobert. And I think subconsciously everyone went like, well, I'm not nearly as healthy as Rudy Gobert. So now I got to be careful. That's one yeah. thing. The other thing is yeah. just the fact that he's famous. And this is the Tom Hanks thing to me. Just the fact that he's famous means that, you know, if, if it were like a fourth string, if it was the 12 guy on the bench for the Orlando magic, right. you know, does it have the same effect? Probably not. This guy is an all-star defensive player of the year. And then Donovan Mitchell got sick. And, and, you know, um, like the, 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 the Tom Hanks thing, Tom Hanks has given our country so much over the course of his <laughs> life. He really has. He's a, he's such a beacon of, of goodness and hope and positivity and, This is his greatest master stroke ever. Um, Getting the coronavirus, I'm knocking on so much wood right now because he seems to be recovering, Um, but getting the coronavirus, when he did, is the greatest gift he's ever given. It's worth a thousand Oscars because it, it, again, first of all, just made people wake up and pay attention. And also everyone feels about Tom Hanks the way they feel about members of their own family. And the idea that Tom Hanks could be sick with this made people as scared and upset and nervous as it would have if they had been told that their uh, cousin or nephew or grandfather or anyone was sick. And I really do think that mattered so much because people, it made this intangible thing extremely tangible and suddenly everybody really cared. Um, And so thank you, Tom Hanks, for the opposite reason of thanking Rudy Gobert. Thank you, Tom Hanks for being so wonderful and in uh, such a, a beacon of positivity over the last 50 years, that when you got sick, the whole world took notice and began to change their behavior.
0: Yeah, no doubt. No you doubt. Know,
1: and I mean, I'll say it. It's, it's a, it's about time. Tom Hanks did something decent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you for finally yeah. me saying what the rest of us are here. <laughs> <concerned> yeah. <to. laughs>
0: How about yeah. Rita Wilson did you guys see the uh the um the little uh, viral video of Rita Wilson yesterday uh ringing reading Ender's game and then breaking into rap did you yeah. did you see this this video it's so wonderful she's so wonderful they're so wonderful Amen. yeah yeah I think it's I really do think that that there were a couple of things i I think look there we can all talk about you know how far we still need to go you still see the beaches you know filled with people or whatever you see people playing basketball and and it you you just you know you just get sick to think about uh, about that but yet on the other hand i mean there are so many millions and millions of people who who have sort of come to accept that that for the good of the nation for the good of people even it, and unselfishly uh, for for the good of others, uh, that the right thing to do is, is completely upend your life and 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 stay indoors and and not spread uh, this virus. And and I do think that each step along the way, uh, you know, whether it's a Tom Hanks getting it, whether it's the sporting events canceling, um, you know, other other things uh, along those lines, I think that has come to to make a huge difference in people's acceptance of what's actually happening.
2: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's the again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, the only the only thing we get, uh, the only way we get through this is is we just got to suck it up and we got to go inside for a, a hopefully a month. I don't know. I mean, that is the best case scenario, right? Is like we just got to stay away from each other and adjust to the new life and help out people when we can, help out other people when we can. That's another key to this because a whole lot of businesses are shut down and a whole lot of people are out of work. And, um, that is, uh, incumbent upon us, the people who can't afford to help other people need to do it pronto. Um, this, and, when we and, are... and go ahead,
0: I was going to say this needs to be mentioned since there were this, um, we're all trying to do some things to, to help out people, but you stepped up in a very personal way this past week, Mike, to, uh, to reach out to help people. Why don't you tell, Tell everybody, I'm, I'm sure everybody already knows, but but uh, tell everybody a little bit about your cause.
2: Right. So um, I give money every year to uh, this thing called the LA Regional Food Bank, which is exactly what it sounds like. It, it brings food to people who are food insecure in the LA County area. And I, I, I got in touch with this guy um, and said, hey, uh, who's sort of in charge of the, the charitable giving there? And I said, um, you know, w- w- what can I do? And he said, well, there's a, you know, we, we have a link on our thing to set up a GoFundMe page for, for special fundraising operations. So I, I did that. And I said, um, I want to raise $50,000 and if we, and, and I'll match the $50,000, if we can get to $50,000, I'll match it. And so, um, so I, I started it and I said, I sent emails to all my friends and I posted it on Twitter. And within like 10 minutes, we had gotten like $9,000. Uh, through incredible generosity. And uh, so I I tweeted an update and said, we have $9,000 in 10 minutes or whatever it was. Um, If we get to $50,000 by midnight, I'll shave my head. Now, it should be be noted. um, I was sort of doing it as a joke a little bit. uh, But also- (laughs) also I saw it that way. I know. And I I knew what I was doing. And I sort of thought like, you know what? If we can raise $50,000, which would then be $100,000 by midnight, It would be worth it. Like, I'll shave my head. I've never shaved my head before. don't know what that would look like. It probably would be very good. But, you know, come on. Uh, It's a small sacrifice. So needless to say, that um, made a lot of my friends very happy. And I think a lot of people in the world happy. And so we hit $50,000 in an hour. Uh, this is like 3 PM. <laughs> so, okay. So then so a couple of things happened. So the first thing that happened was I went into my wife's office where she was working and I said, so honey, I have to shave my head. <laughs> <And> <laughs> she, she was unaware of what was happening. And I realized way too late. I should have uh, told her that first. So explained the whole thing. And then I went back and I was like, okay, this, this incentive program seems to be working. So would you out there trade me shaving my head for putting on a Derek Jeter jersey and eating a hot fruit pie. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll post the video. And if we get to $100,000 by midnight, I will wear a Derek Jeter jersey and eat hot fruit pie. So then people kept giving. And then there were people who were like, wait, you have to do all three, including, by the way, <laughs> our no good friend, Brandon McCarthy, who was like, you have to do all three. You have to shave your head, wear the Jeter jersey, and eat the hot fruit pie. That, that, that wasn't a strong view. Was, that was not the deal. Uh, very clearly wasn't the deal. I was making a trade. Um, but anyway, a bunch of people were like, you have to do all three. And so then it was like unclear what was happening. The point is we sailed past $100,000 and we sailed all the way within, within 24 hours. It was at $153,000 or something like that. So while that was happening, I had to rush around a little bit because that day is the day that LA came down hard with the no nonsense shelter in place, kind of don't leave your house, kind of a deal. And I had to, my my family and I had to kind of run around and handle some stuff. So I was away from my computer for a while. But when I came back, uh, I saw that we were $153,000, including some incredible donations. Rob McElhaney and uh, Caitlin Olson, his wife from uh, It's Always Sunny, Philadelphia, offered $25,000 if I would do all three. Um, and then didn't hear from me and then just made the donation and said, now we expect you to do this, which is definitely not allowable. Uh, <laughs> but thank them. Thank you guys. Um, Seth Myers offered $10,000 if, while wearing a Derek Jeter jersey and eating a hot fruit, fruit pie. Fruit, I, I said the words Spygate is real, which <laughs> meaning the Patriots Spygate, he's a Steelers fan. So he wanted the he doesn't care about the Astros as much. Um, anyway, Uh, so, so we were at $153,000. Now a bunch of people had emailed me or texted me or tweeted at me and said that instead of shaving my head, which by the way, at this point, everyone's taking for granted that I'm also shaving my head. (laughs) Again, not what I had said, but they said, instead of shaving your head, would you regrow the beard that you wore when you played Moe's on The Office? Now, pause for a second to let everyone know, I would rather shave my head (laughs) <laughs> Every day for the rest of my life, then regrow the mose beard. I hate the mose beard. It's embarrassing no. and ugly. It's itchy and terrible. It makes me look insane, as anyone who has watched The Office knows. <laughs> I don't want to do that. However, given the morass and confusion of the rules of do I have to also shave my head? Do I not have to do that? Blah blah blah. The people who had given a lot of money. Thinking that I was going to both shave my head and also wear the Jeter jersey and also eat the hot fruit pie and also say Spygate is real, blah 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 blah. I basically said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm I matched the entire donation. So um, yesterday, a check. Uh, they they've got, it's now up to like 166,000 because people have continued to donate, which is wonderful. And I encourage everyone to donate either to the LA Regional Food Bank or to a food bank in your hometown. It's a wonderful thing to do. Sure. It's an, it, it, The L.A. Regional Food Bank, as I'm sure most food banks are um, around the country, is classified as an essential service, which means they don't get to shelter in place. They don't get to stay at home with their families. They have to go to the food bank and make meals and deliver them to people. It's incredibly inspiring and wonderful work. And so anything you can do to support them, I wholeheartedly encourage. So I, so the, the entire 153000 was matched. So they got $306,000 uh, out of this and counting. Um, So what I did was my solution was I put up a poll on Twitter, which I think is still going. I think it ends today. But that basically says, when I wear a Derek Jeter jersey and eat hot fruit pie and say, (laughs) I get it real, would you rather I shave my head or regrow the beard that I wore when I played Moe's in the office? Uh, and the results are pretty convincing. It looks like Mose is going to win, which is what I have feared would happen and, and pretty much knew was going to happen uh, and am dreading more than anything. Side note to the side note, I then had to go into my wife's office where she was still working a day later and said, hey, honey, good news. I don't have to shave my head, but I do have to regrow a neck beard. And I, and again, for the second time in as many days, realized I should have run all this by, uh, by her way earlier. So... If, uh, if everything goes according to plan, first of all, the LA Regional Food Bank is going to end up with like $325,000, which is it's really an important thing. That's wonderful. wonderful. That's great news. Um, I plan on regrowing the beard that I wore when I played Mose in the office, somehow <laughs> acquiring a Derek Jeter jersey and a hot fruit pie, my two least favorite objects in the world, uh, and taking a video of myself saying eating the hot fruit pie and saying Spygate is real. Um, I don't know when that'll happen. The problem with the neck beard is it takes like a month minimum to grow.
1: Now, if we're going to talk about whiskers, I'll I'll sneak in real quick. Please, uh, please. I, I I would say um, I've got a pretty uh, virulent set of whiskers <laughs> that grow uh, on my uh, face and all the way down to my upper chest, um, and I would say. For Moe's, for a good mows, I'd say at least two months. Oh God! But the the good news is, a you've got time, and B, uh, you can just check in every week on the podcast and let us know how it's coming along.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. What I what I eventually decided to do was basically give a weekly update, um, with a shot of my horrible neck beard, and ask people to vote on when they thought it was long enough to justify saying it's the most beard. And at that moment I will then record the video. That's, that's how do I, that's how the calculus kind of came out in the wash.
0: Okay. I have so many questions and so many thoughts on this. First of all, um, Nick, do we believe that Mike should have let himself be bullied into either shaving his head or growing his neck beard when I think it was pretty clear that he was, he was suggesting the Derek Jeter Jersey and the hot fruit pie in exchange for the shaving of the head. I mean,
1: that, that seemed pretty clear to me. Well, I mean, as these things go, uh, there, there's, there is an element of, um, of good fun to it. Now, I, I mean, you know you and i and and mike we've we've all been to school we've read a lot of books but uh in our in our circle the podcast hosts and friends um there's only one you know former professional athlete and that's brandon mccarthy and sure. i kind of feel like for that reason we should turn to brandon to <laughs> establish the rules um if anyone i mean yeah yeah
0: well, Brandon, definitely the rule for Brandon is you got to do everything. I know, but he just
2: that's he just decided that that was the truth. It was very clear from the wording. I said, would you trade this? Would you trade me shaving my head for this other thing? He was allowed to vote no if he wanted to vote no, but he just said, no, you have to do all three, which isn't technically speaking the way that, uh, that negotiations work usually, that one person just goes, no, you have to do this. Um, I did let myself get bullied, but to Nick's point, I was so thrilled with the response and with the amount of money sure. that was going to this cause that I I want it's why I put the poll up. I actively want to give people whatever humiliation, self humiliation require. require in order to to thank them for their generosity. So uh, I I you know I would again I would so much rather shave my I would shave my head right now. Um, I've I haven't shaved now in th- since I started the poll because I'm anticipating the Mo's beard winning and yeah, I already yeah. hate it so much. I'm desperate. <laughs> that I can't stop. We're not supposed to be touching our faces right now and I cannot stop touching my face. It's putting yeah. me in harm's way. So, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would have far rather shaved my head. Um, I- instead I'm, I, uh, I open myself up to this other much, <laughs> slower, much slower train wreck than shaving my head would be. If I shaved my head in, in a month, it would be pretty much back to normal. Now I'm going to wait two months, according to Nick, before I can do the thing that will then be awful.
0: <laughs> but but here's but here's my my second question on this. You were Moe's on The Office multiple times, um, including uh, in the in the final episode. Correct? You were correct. you were Moe's that you returned. Are you telling me before each appearance you grew that Moe's beard? There wasn't even one time that it was just a fake beard put on.
2: No, uh, that is incorrect. There was multiple times a figure. I can't believe I've never told the story before, but I'll tell it now. I'll tell the short version. So when Greg Daniels, my boss and adapter of The Office, um, bullied me and forced me to play Moe's in The Office, um, he demanded that I grow a real neck beard. Now, this happened because my natural beard growth is essentially the opposite of Nick's. It's not rugged and manly and thick and virulent. It's, It's patchy and sparse and sad. There's no hair on my cheeks and it and it, but it grows fairly thickly under my chin line. And so Greg thought that was really funny and bullied me into playing the part for that reason and also insisted that I grow a real beard. And I said, "Well, what about a fake one?" And he said, uh, "I won't look real." And he was my boss and uh I had no choice. So, <laughs> I grew the beard for I don't know how long, let's call it 2 months. And The episode that I was, it was called The Initiation that I was uh, growing it for. And um, it was supposed to be the second, I think, episode that we shot that year. But then I don't remember what happened. Something, the script needed to be rewritten or something, something happened in production. I don't remember. But basically it got pushed and then it was like the eighth episode. (laughs) So it was pushed (laughs) until later in the season, but not so far in advance that I could shave, get a brief rest and And then grow it. it. I just had to keep the beard for like another six weeks or whatever it was. So that, and, and during that time, uh, Greg and I and the other producers on the show were nominated for an Emmy for best show. Uh, and and we had to go to all these events in Hollywood. We didn't have to, we did. Um, and our, our picture was taken a number of times. And so if you Google me, you will see a bunch of pictures of me uh, on like red carpets and at cocktail parties and stuff with the crazy Moe's beard as if it's just a thing that I like to wear when I go out in public. So I finally get to the episode. We shoot the episode at this place called Disney ranch, which is about 45 minutes Northeast of of LA. Uh, It's like mid August. It's 171 degrees in the shade. I'm, I have this horrible neck beard. I'm wearing wool clothes and like old work boots and stuff. And I'm running around like a crazy person pretending to try to wrestle BJ Novak. And, uh, and it's just awful. The whole thing is just awful. And, um, and then that, so then the, the writers predictably love it and they think it's really funny and they're very, very pleased with the humiliation. And so then they start writing Mo's back into more and more episodes and uh, gathering what little self-respect I still had at that point, I said, <laughs> I'm not growing the beard again. In fact, if you want me to be in this episode next week or whatever it is, I literally can't. And Greg yeah. was like, okay, fine, we'll make a fake beard. And so they made a fake beard. And the people who work on inherited Makeup, as Nick can attest on TV shows, are the best in the biz. Um, they're wonderful. They're so skilled. And they made a fake beard that looked exactly like the beard that I had. And I put the beard on and it was totally fine. And it came off in like 30 seconds. With some rubbing alcohol, and uh, and we watched the ep- we watched the cut of the episode, and Greg was like, uh, "Was that a was that your real beard again?" And I said, "No, that's the fake one." And he went, "Oh, it looks pretty good." And retroactively, I lost my mind, and and have never forgiven him or the concept of acting or uh, the show or anything. I will never be over it. I hate it so much. And now here I am. 10 years after leaving that show or whatever it is. And I'd still, for some reason, 12 years after leaving that show. And here I am uh, willingly growing this stupid beard again.
1: It's it just, it's just a further Testament as to your uh, excellent moral character, Mike. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and,
0: and, and you, and you being a soccer, I am like who actually, came up with the with the idea of trading the the head shaving for the, like who, because I know Brandon brought it up pretty early in the process. Was Brandon the actual first person to say like, yeah, do the, do the neck beard instead?
2: No, he was the first person I saw who said, you have to do everything. Okay. Uh, other people might've said it first. I just only, I saw his tweet first, but I don't remember who the first person was to suggest that I swap out head shave for Mo's beard, but a number, it was sent in, as a suggestion by a large number of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it had no chance of losing even to the head shave. I think that's, it was definitely the way people were going to go. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep up with that. All right. There, we have a few questions uh, on Twitter that we can do before we go quickly to the draft. Uh, but before we do that, um, we we are sort of kind of a sports podcast. So, there's only one thing in sports that has actually happened during this entire stretch of time. Uh, and so, Mike, I need to ask you. And Nick, I would love your opinion as well, though it might not be as personal. Um, Mike, I don't know if you heard, but uh, it looks like Tom Brady left the Patriots or something. Did you hear about this? Who did what now? Sorry. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's like, uh, you remember Tom Brady? Remember that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. quarterback of the uh, Patriots. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Apparently, while everybody was freaking out because the world is uh, fundamentally different than it's ever been. Um, He went to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. No, really? What did
2: he he do? I know. I know. No, I, well,
0: I I think it was the Buccaneers. Um, Yeah, it was the Buccaneers. So, um, How are you handling this not now that I'm breaking this bit of news to you, how are you handling it? Um,
2: I'll tell you hundred percent honestly, and this is gonna sound very weird. I don't care <laughs> right. I really don't like uh, i for for several reasons. number one, as we've talked about multiple times, my interest in the NFL has generally waned for for over over the last five, eight years um, to the point where I don't really I, I'm not really paying attention to the league in any meaningful way um secondly because if there is football this year it will i'll be so happy that i don't care where anybody (laughs) else which teams i don't care it will mean that somehow or another we as a country and as a world got through this crisis and that the concept of football being played sounds so impossible to me right now that um i mean I, i i'd be thrilled i'd be thrilled to watch tom brady in a tampa bay bucks uniform because it would mean i could watch sports on television and the third thing is when you have a a person who has given you as much joy as tom brady has given me uh in in his career especially back obviously when i really cared about football i mean what can you say like it was 20 years of the best that anyone's ever done it and the most winning and the i mean you know he's got 30 playoff wins and the next closest person has 14 or whatever it is and he's got six super bowl victories and the next close it's 50% higher than the next highest people and played in 9 I mean he's in the super bowl every other year and won 6 of them. I I I just I can't I had I had literally zero anger, sadness, regret, remorse. I had I had no feeling about it other than I hope he finds whatever he's looking for in Tampa Bay. I guess he just wants yeah. to play until he's 45 to prove that he can or maybe he just wants to retire with every record, you know, like most passing yards, most touchdowns, most this, most that, whatever. I don't know. But like, good luck, man. I, I, I mean, look. The thing that upset me was Mookie Betts, as we've talked about. Yes. But Mookie yes. and Mookie Betts upset me because Mookie Betts was set to give me the kind of twenty-year run that Brady gave me, and when that's cut off at the knees, that's the that's the sadness for me. Is when the player that you love, who you're so excited to watch for your hometown team, like Nick, what would happen right now? if the Cubs, it was rumored for a long time the Cubs were going to trade Chris Bryant. Yeah. Like like what would happen to your brain if Chris Bryant were traded to the, to the, uh, you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or something?
1: Uh, you know, it would be hugely demoralizing. I, I, we, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, you and Joe and I exchanged a text thread where I, Joe and I gave you like a gentle ribbing about Mookie Betts, the news was just a few days old, and then like later that day, I went running. And um, one of my favorite things about running, uh, I do four miles a day usually, and and uh, it's it's like an a time that I can listen to a book or a podcast. You know that quiet time is really hard to find, and so I love listening to the podcast. I'm on my run, listening to it. <laughs> you got into the part. About the whole Mookie Betts situation, and of course how emotionally devastating it was, and I felt so bad, <laughs> felt so bad. And I, I know I, I apologize to you by text, but I would just like to, I mean, and yes, uh, if if they took away our KB, I, I was thinking actually, if they if they split up, you know, Chris Bryant and Rizzo. We'd have we'd have to I'd have to go burn down Tampa Bay. I'm sorry, um, but that's yeah. that's how it is, right?
0: Yeah, no, it's no, that's right. Yeah, but Mookie Betts there is in prime of his career, and 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 you know with 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 so much you know excitement in the future, and 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 him leaving still doesn't really make sense. You know, I mean, it's like you can you can twist it all around and talk about money and all that, but it doesn't make sense that the Boston Red Sox would trade Mookie bats, right? Like if you, if you were explaining it to a, to a six year old who is a Red Sox fan, like you wouldn't be able to explain like, Oh, well, you know, this gets them under that, that uh, tax burden. I mean, like it, it's, it, as a baseball fan, it doesn't make sense. And, and this is different. And and I kind of think of it uh, the Brady thing a little bit, the way I felt like when LeBron James left Cleveland to go to, uh, to the Lakers, the first time when he left, it was like Mookie Betts, right? When he went to Miami, um, but the second time, it's like, dude, enjoy your life. I mean, and obviously he he is he's still incredible and great, and and I think you know at a, at a you know he's much younger than Brady is, uh, even even in the you know even in the you know apples to oranges comparison that that is. But my thought honestly was be happy. You know what? You came to Cleveland and you won a championship. Uh, and it's something that had not happened in 50 years and do what you want to do. You know what? Enjoy, enjoy life because the joy that, that you've brought me and, 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 you know, millions of others of people who are grew up in Cleveland or born in Northeast Ohio or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah and and this is many many multiples of that what Tom Brady brought to to New England. So so I am a little surprised to see people who are like you know I mean look I I get being nostalgic but first of all he's never going to be that Tom Brady again I don't think. No. But second of all and second of all you know what I life's been pretty good. I I just don't I just don't you know I I was uh I was following a uh Red Sox fan on Twitter and she listed off like, well, what is your favorite Red Sox championship? And she listed off like the four that they yeah. won. And and I thought, well, that, that doesn't feel like as a Cleveland nerd, that doesn't feel like a real thing, you know, where you're not only do you have four championships, you're like kind of having fun picking between them. I mean, that just, it's just a, you know, like to me, I look at Tom Brady, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan for life. I look at Tom Brady, I go. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I'm going to feel sad watching him play in Tampa Bay because I don't think he's going to be very good. And you got that whole John Unitas at the end of his career sadness, maybe. But beyond that, no, I, I don't see what, what's there left to complain about. It's,
2: it's the only rational response. The only rational response is to look at it as his time in Boston. is the, It's the bookend of the greatest 18, 20-year run in, in that any city has ever had starting with the right. starting starting with the Super Bowl win over the Rams in the 2001 season ending with really I guess you would say ending with the Red Sox championship in 2018 and then you know Brady's leaving a couple of years later but like just think of the Brady era as Boston won everything all the time it, they won yeah. they won, <laughs> they won Super Bowls played in three others they were in the they were in the AFC Championship game half of the years that he played um, yep. The Red Sox won four World Series, the Celtics won a title, the Bruins won a title. Um, every one of the teams was good almost the entire run. The Celtics, not so much, but the Celtics are now poised to have the best next five years of any of any Boston team, probably. I think um, so
0: too, yeah. Yeah, like,
2: I, so, you know, everyone shut up. It's, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Nothing. You have no, you have zero ability to complain about literally anything. And I hope that Tom Brady's happy and I hope he goes to Tampa Bay and I hope he plays. Cause that will mean that sports are being played.
0: That's exactly right. Nick, I actually was thinking that the most heartbreaking thing for you, I mean, as, as hard as it would be to see Chris Bryan go, which could happen, I guess, uh, breaking up that Rizzo thing. What if they, what if they traded Javi Baez? No, what I if guess. they just said, I we mean, can't afford Javi Baez anymore?
1: I was hoping, yeah. I don't even to even utter that has uh, <laughs> now has now uh, brought laid me low. I'm gonna have to lay down on the floor here for a minute. <laughs> just at the at the supposition, yeah. I mean that I mean that's that's why that's exactly why because I know that uh, particular adoration, and I think Javi and Mookie are two. You know, at the moment, they are two of maybe the five or six guys in the league. That are th- that specific kind of um, of, of delightful uh, dynamo. You know, they're yes. not they're they're, they're not uh, Mike Trout's. They're not Aaron Judges or or what have you. But they're they are delightful. They're they're what uh, Lindor was at a time. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so the maker of magic. You know, it's like the team Leprechaun. Uh, it's so so no one should ever. You know, if if you are lucky enough to have a Mookie Betts or a Javi on your team, uh, you, you should never uh, have that taken away from you until, uh, like you guys said on, on that episode, you know, until they're being paid $12 million to, to ride the bench and get a couple hits in the year.
0: Right. That's right. Now, I, Mike and I want to make that a rule. I mean, that's that's the baseball we run is that you get – and you can't just choose any. It's not like a franchise player in the NFL. Like, if you get a player that is that special and and there'd be ways to determine that, I'm sorry, you just literally have to do every single thing uh, that you can to keep them or mm-hmm. you are punished very severely. That just, that just, to me, is like part of the game. All right. Let's do five quick questions uh, from people. And we're going to start off with this. Mike, I don't know if you listened to the episode of two weeks ago. I'm assuming you didn't because... Why would you listen to it? Why would anyone? Um, but Alan's, well, why would anyone, but why would you? Alan <laughs> Seppenwall uh, was on the uh, show and uh, and we had a draft and our draft was um, characters in baseball movies. We drafted characters in baseball movies, which was a lot of fun. And Brandon uh, had, a, had a fine draft. And Seppenwall had a reasonably okay draft until the third round. Uh, when he selected Bugs Bunny from the cartoon Baseball Bugs. Right. And he proceeded to make the argument that Baseball Bugs being a theatrical release at one point before real movies, I guess, um, counts as a movie and Bugs Bunny therefore counts as a movie character. Uh, I um, banished him. At That point, however, he is coming back to ask for a ruling from uh, you both on whether or not Seppenwall was within his rights to select Baseball Bugs as a movie and Bugs Bunny as a character from a baseball movie.
2: I mean, this is what he does, right? This is the Sepp and Wall move. Is he. Yeah, I mean, the,
0: the move should be
1: called the Sepp and Wall.
2: yeah, it's the Sepp and Wall. He pulled a seven wall, and um, it's it's no different from saying that Groundhog Day is a holiday movie when we're drafting in in like mid December, and we're it's very clear what the spirit of the law is. He find he's like a um he's like a rogue defense attorney who is constantly like str- like taking the literal words of the judge and like stretching them as far as the it will it can, they can be stretched and the i feel like the rest of us are left to be the judges going like counselor you knew what i intended when i <laughs> said this rule like like watch yourself counselor that's that's what we all are is we're the judges in those movies who scold him and he goes like well you didn't say i couldn't uh, call the witness blah 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 so i mean look the, to me this is simple it's the the spirit of the question is very clear Technically speaking, was that released as a movie? Okay, I guess it was released theatrically. He made an argument that it w- it would have been eligible for an Oscar, and it's like, yeah, okay, 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 <laughs> fine. So, like, does does he get you know kicked out of the podcasting guild forever? Does he get censured? Does he lose his license? Probably not, but also uh, he you know he's just a rabble rouser. That's that's his movie. Pulls set. Nick
0: Yeah,
1: I mean uh, again I was r- on my run and uh I had to s- Seppenwall wall uh st- stood up and uh and bald-facedly un- unleashed another seven wall move <laughs> and I had to stop running and shake my head. I went to the side of the road, put my hands on my hips and shook my head and said, "No. Nope. No. Nope." i am not I'm not allowing it, and from that moment to this, I say enough. I'm putting my foot down.
0: Brandon called him Jeff Lu now, which I believe is probably just about the fairest thing that was said. All right, uh, let's hear it. real quick questions here. okay, uh, this question looks like it's for you, Nick. Uh, the Cubs won the World Series on November second, two thousand and sixteen. Within one week, the world was basically doomed, and it's been downhill ever since. Should the Cubs forfeit their 2016 World Championship to restore karmic balance to the universe?
1: Um, actually, no, the uh, that this is a classic misinterpretation of the events. <laughs> the Cubs winning the World Series was actually a karmic payment yes. for the preceding 108 years, um so now we've begun another cycle. So um instead of what what this uh listener is proposing, what needs to happen is we need another Cubs World Series championship. <laughs> That's um,
2: brilliant. That's a brilliant analysis. So
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: so here, here we go. Yeah, ASAP.
0: All right, this one is more of a uh, I guess this is a question that everybody is asking um and and one that I think is very pertinent for the situation we're in. Jonathan K wants to know is a nice shirt and no pants acceptable for a zoom call? We're all doing zoom. Is it okay to wear no pants for a zoom call? This feels like a 7 wall move.
2: You know what I mean? Where it's like, you're getting technically you're like within the letter of acceptability, but it's, but like if you told people what you were doing, they'd all be horrified. Right. So like, I think as a general rule of social engagement, you should act always in a way that would not horrify other people if they <laughs> knew the totality of what you were doing. That's probably a good rule of thumb. So yeah, you're not going to like, it's not going to, again, it's not going to get you like fired or uh, or anything like that. But it's also like, you can't throw on a pair of pants, throw on a pair of pants, man. Takes two seconds and then you don't have to worry about someone bumping into the computer and knocking the the camera down at a lower angle and uh, and then everyone losing their minds.
1: I, Nick? Yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I mean, just as a life practice, I think it's good to get up, put on a pair of britches, and you're much more likely to get something done if you're wearing pants. That said, this podcast just just recently asserted uh go ahead live your life have fun if you want to play in Tampa Bay if you want to take a meeting with no pants on uh that is your prerogative and i i think we stand by that but i would say you know if you want a healthy happy productive life lean towards avoiding Tampa Bay quarterbacking or leaving um you know your bare bottom on your furniture. There you yeah, I, go. Think
0: that's, that, I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. By the way, I was reading not to get serious because we don't want any, any meaning to, to jump in here, but I was reading that it actually, people are saying that it is very healthy in when you're sort of being quarantined, uh, not even sort of just being quarantined to, get dressed take a shower act like you're gonna go out like that there is something there is something mentally um stimulating about sort of not just going up in your pajamas and working all day and sitting in a chair like so i i you know so put on the pants come on just put on your pants right it, it doesn't seem that hard all right one more um let's see here uh oh, okay but before we do that Will Ken Tremendous be baking his own fruit pie after growing his Moe's beard? And will he be selecting the type of fruit himself? Dave, you, you've not go in, gone into the details of the pie.
2: No, I haven't. Um, I don't know how to bake a pie because uh, they're disgusting and no one should ever do it. And um, so <laughs> I've never learned. So I, I may just, for the, for the sake of the full experience, I may like do it myself. I don't know where I'm going to get. It's not like groceries are easy to come by right now. No. Uh, so I, I'm not exactly sure. I may order from a local business to try to help out a local restaurant. You should do that. I think uh, you should do that. I'll, I'll probably do that. And I, I was thinking that I would just go straight ahead apple pie. Cause to me, that's the grossest of the pies. Um, <laughs> it, uh, there's nothing better than a nice cold, crispy apple. And there's nothing worse than a hot, mealy, disgusting, mushy apple pie. <laughs> so I'll probably just get an apple pie. Also is I've, I've ranted before about what I see as the tyranny Uh, Inherent in the concept of apple pie. You're told from a very young age in this country that if you don't like apple pie, you're un American. I think it's the exact opposite. I think if you do like apple pie, you're (laughs) un American. Um, You're a dirty red communist and you should go back to East Germany where you came from. Um, Right. So I think for that, for those reasons, I'll probably go straight apple pie. and I'll probably try to find a local bakery or something around here that um, that's hurting and, uh, and order it from them.
0: You have to heat it up.
2: Now, listen, depending,
1: depending on the state of play, uh, once you've achieved this beard um, three to four months down the road, uh, <laughs> it's getting if, 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 if at all, if I can be of any service, I would like at the, if it happened today, you know, You're sort of left to your own devices with uh, somebody who's open and can safely deliver a confection. But if at all possible, um, I would volunteer to bake you a pie. And uh, I don't know if we'll be allowed to in a timely fashion, but but if so, please count on me. I mean, this is is what friends do. This is
0: what friends do. They make pies for you that you insult and do not want to eat. That's, That's right. basically what friends do. I just, I, I think it's going to be great. All right. Last question here is uh, let's see here. Oh yeah. So we, we, I guess we do have to hit this. Jordan wants to know, would you like to reconsider the first pick in the worst things about March draft? Some of those of you who uh, don't know uh, earlier, uh, I guess the last time we were together, Mike and I drafted worst things about March because we both believe March to be an absolutely horrendous month. And this was, of course, before this particular March, which is obviously the worst of all Marches. Um, I actually think, and uh, Mike, I don't know what you think, but I actually think that we could not have been more prescient in that draft. I mean, obviously we would never have wanted what has happened to happen, but if it was going to happen, it was going to be in March.
2: Yeah, there. it, it just is that month. March is, March is no good. We should get rid of... Really, the question should be not do we want to reconsider. The question should be, do we want to launch a, some kind of write-in campaign to eliminate March from the calendar entirely? Yes. So, look, February, yes. February only has 28 days in it, and if, uh, April has 30. You could just divvy up the 31 days in March, give 16 of them to February, uh and then after february 44th it'll go to april 1st and we'll go to april uh whatever you know uh 46th and uh and then we'll just go right on into may and then we should it's like the 13th floor in a building we've talked about that before there's there's no 13th floor in an elevator but there's still a 13th floor it's just it isn't called the 13th floor so we'll still have the days in march we'll just call them february and april Black History Month will go from the shortest month to the longest month. That's like, that <laughs> as, it as it as should,
0: as it should.
2: Right, and then you get this super, everybody loves April, we'll get a super long April. I mean, we'll sell. I mean, this is a winning idea. I'm just, this is brainstorming off the top of my head, but my that, this is what I'm gonna officially propose. No more March. <laughs> we, go, we go 46 days or 44 days, I guess, in February, and then 46 days in April. And, uh, and then we're back on track with May.
1: Nick? Yeah, shake it up.
0: (laughs) I I think it works great. I think it works great. All right, it is time uh, for our draft. But before we do that, uh, it is time for me to read this uh, advertisement that I am doing now. So uh, if you guys will just give me a second here to do this. And it tells me I can ad lib. I am not going to ad lib. Tournaments have been canceled. Leagues are suspended. There hasn't been a live game. What, What kind of depression is this? There hasn't been a live game on TV in what feels like a year, even though it's barely been more than a week. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than to take them away completely. Yeah, okay. But The Athletic is still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there, and in these very strange, uncertain times, they are still hard at work doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories. This is true. This is true. Like the one about Brazilian soccer legend Ronald Ronaldinho Ronaldinho Ronaldinho, Ronaldin- say that, Mike. Like Ronaldinho. Yo, that's right, Ronald. I was gonna say that didn't sound right. Uh, Ronaldinho being in a Paraguayan jail right now. Did you know that? I did not. No. He's, <laughs> he was awesome. Like he was so fun. Like they like just watching highlights of him doing like just with the ball handling, incredible. I guess he's in a jail right now. That stinks. Or how the situation between Todd Gurley and the Rams was beyond repair. Or how minor league baseball players are getting financial support from their big league counterparts. Or X, Y, Z. Feel free to talk about your own favorites. I'm not going to do that. It's during times like this that The Athletic can keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, and the sports you love. Sign up now and you will get a 90-day free trial. Wow. It's not even a free trial. That's just like 90 days to see for yourself, the creativity reporting and storytelling that sets the athletic apart. 90 days. You could read my baseball 100 for free. If you could do it in 90 days, just go to the athletic.com slash podcast for a 90 day free trial. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, those don't go away. So go to the athletic.com slash podcast. We hope to see you there. All right, how'd I do? Is that good? Nailed it. <laughs> I, I would have to say, nailed it is exactly how I feel about uh, about that.
1: You know, Joe. While, while we're on the subject of of the Atlantic, uh, our new home base, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the the platform we are standing upon, even now, sure. um, I would love to. I'd love to know whose idea it was. Uh, at the Atlantic, why did we need to add a few ominous musical notes to the beginning <laughs> of the podcast? It fe- like it feels that's just. Look, I'm all for. Uh, I I I subscribe to the Atlantic. When you went to the Atlantic, so that I could read all your writings, and and in doing so, I'm re- I'm getting other great sports stories. Every the experience has been pretty pleasant until I go to listen to my <laughs> podcast and I get this weird. It's like a touch of the Yankee minute before we dive into the podcast theme song. I want to know who's is, is this some sort of uh, plot by the empire? Is this, a- I think, <laughs> um
2: I think it, it's probably um, the way that they're punishing you for referring to them as the Atlantic <laughs> instead of the athletic.
1: Oh, did I say the Atlantic? <laughs> uh. They, yes, I also I sometimes read that other thing as well. The Atlantic as well. They, <laughs>
0: they, they I, do good work. I have a it is weird. It's it's a weird work. tone, right? That this weird little. It only takes like a second, but it's like this weird tone at the beginning of the podcast. Mike, have you heard? Have you heard the weird tone?
2: I have not. I've never listened to our podcasts once. In my life. <laughs> nor, well,
0: nor nor will you ever. I, I'll just send you the tone. It's it's um. It is disconcerting. Nick's not wrong. It, it is disconcerting. I, I don't know why they do that. I guess it is to to label, you know, it's to mark their property, I yes. think, is what yes. we're doing.
1: It's to uh, mark mark the particular shrub of the podcast.
0: <laughs> with... Why they would want to, to put their own label on this thing, I, I don't know. We're drafting, uh, and we are going to draft annoying things about sports that we desperately miss in our new world. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, Nick, you have the first pack. Oh
1: gosh. Okay. So, so um, as always, we do not, we, we, we give each other the, uh, the the thinnest of explanations (laughs) as to what we're drafting. So my interpretation based on the seven word text from Mike, yeah. Um, is things that annoy us about sports that we complain about, but now that we don't have them, we would we would love to have them back, even though they used to annoy us.
0: Yes, that's
2: how I read. Correct, that's, that's right. how I figured too.
1: All right. Well, listen, I'm I'm an old fashioned baseball curmudgeon. I I've done my best, especially since becoming a fan of the podcast and a friend of Mike, to um, to consume and understand. The, the the money ball of it all the the new stats the saber metrics your wars and your bibops and and <laughs> bib and bibop plus threes and all that shit <laughs> and I, I can I can comprehend most of it but I just can't make it I just can't make it have weight you know like I the the um, the old fashioned uh, forms of the game and, and the stats that I grew up with, uh, having meaning, I have a hard time, uh, unseating them that. So that said, uh, this, the thing that drives me crazy is the shift in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's seems so silly to me to say, okay, we've we've crunched the numbers. So everybody on the team go stand down the right field line <laughs> Uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's just dumb. It's like, um, I, I feel like everybody should play their position. And if, if somebody is more likely to hit one way or the other, you know, you know that, but I think it's, uh, I think it's weak to actually send somebody over there. Um, that said at the moment, I would give anything to see, uh, 18 strapping uh, (laughs) men or women take the field and uh, and line up for the shift. I, boy, I I would hoot and holler.
0: I I think that is precisely in the spirit of, of what we're doing. We're doing here. This is, we would all love to see the Cubs out there. You got Anthony Rizzo at the plate and the other team putting five guys on the right side of the of the field and that yes who who among us wouldn't want to see that right now
2: i'd kill for a shift right now
0: (laughs) exactly all right excellent choice i think uh mike your pick
2: um i miss um a thing i normally hate which is nba reporters sitting on chairs on the court before the game (laughs) Uh, it, uh, it's always so dorky and they're wearing suits and there's like lights shining on them. And they're just, when you get to a game early, you want to, you want to just watch the players run around and stretch and hit uh, 400 consecutive three pointers and do their little drills and stuff. And depending on where you're sitting, you're often distracted or blocked even by, by a bunch of dorks and suits um, <laughs> sitting with microphones talking about, how you know Kawhi Leonard's perimeter defense is going to match up against Donovan Mitchell's, you know, uh, three point shooting or whatever. And you can't hear them if you're at the game, and if you're watching on TV, they just look so dorky because they're just sitting out there in suits and it's just lame. Um, but I, I literally yesterday, um, had the thought of like the thing that would make me so happy more than anything right now is if I turn on the t v and I saw a bunch of dorks in suits sitting on folding chairs on an n b a court talking to microphones like i i just uh some somehow that one really got me um so that's what I miss number one
0: I think that's great, I think that's great what is the de- I mean, like the chairs things like sometimes they're low chairs and sometimes they're high chairs they're usually high none of it makes any sense don't it doesn't don't, it really don't. does no it's not good. All right. Excellent choice. Uh, With my first pick, um, there's so many things that are like little tiny things that, that annoy me about sports. Um, But I'm going to go with the big one first. And then I'm going to go with the small ones. Uh, I, I believe that I miss instant replay and, and I hate instant replay reviews in, in all of sports, Uh, particularly, well, there's no particular. I, other than tennis, I, I think instant replay in every single sport is an abomination and ruins the game. And and is is one of those things that uh, that that solves one problem while causing 500 other problems that nobody seems to care about because uh, you're going to do whatever you have to do to solve the one problem. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't. You know, there's so much about instant replay I don't like. The thing I don't like the most uh, about Insta Replay is when, when they obsess over the tiniest thing in Insta Replay. Like, I would be able to tolerate Insta Replay and maybe even embrace it if it really just fixed the mistakes. Like, if that was the only thing that it did. Like, it just, like, okay, this was an obvious mistake or a semi obvious mistake. And we can determine how, how obvious it needs to be. But I watched replay. I saw one time and I was like, wow, that guy totally blew that call. He blew the call. The call's wrong. So to me, if they would just focus on those plays, that would be awesome. And I would be like, I'd be like, all right, this is great. This is what it's for. This is, this is good. This is so much better to get the call, right. But when they start focusing on those little things, uh, it you know like like whether or not the guy's foot bounced a millimeter off the bag when he slid into second base on a steal and and did the guy still have the tag on him when the when his foot bounced off the bag a millimeter and just all of that stuff I hate so the thing I I I hate the most of all is that the NFL has decided now that you know replay wasn't uh, uh, enough of a cluster now they also replay penalties on, on, on the field, which, you know, they did because they missed an obvious pass interference call, um, which I get, but again, they're not fixing obvious pass interference calls. Instead, they're just letting coaches throw the flag and say, I'm sure there was a penalty somewhere on the field. So just, you know, just go ahead and find it, you know, maybe it was holding, maybe it was offensive pass interference. Maybe it was just whatever, just find, find me a penalty and it's the worst and uh i would still uh do just about anything to be sitting on my couch right now watching an extended instant replay review on a play uh, just so i could feel those emotions
2: yeah that's a good one
1: no no <laughs> argument i mean the 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 great thing about all those instant replays is it gives you more time for commercials yeah <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> that's what we're looking for all right, uh, Nick, your second pick. Whew. Oh, boy. Well, I um,
1: I know there may be some – you guys also may have some feelings about this one, but uh, I really would love to see uh, today some baseball players um, calling for timeouts in the batter's box and stepping out of the box, uh, after definitely after every pitch, if not, uh, more than once, um, to adjust their gloves, um, <laughs> their other protective equipment, um, uh, make sure that they, uh, they've cleared the hulls of the sunflower seeds from their, uh, from their oral cavities. Um, that I would love to see some, some of that where, the game is just slowed down to to twice the time it should take.
2: That's a good one. Yeah. a Good one. Yeah. Um, My second pick is um, it's sort of related in a weird way, but it's, um, I really miss opening week batting stat or batting stats, you know, like in, in like the first two weeks of the season, they're better now, but in the old days when I was a child, you would you would a guy would come up on like April 4th and it would say like he's hitting 750. Like it would show this batting average of 750 because he went three for four yesterday and that was opening day. Now they do they tend most places to to give you like actual like he's four for eighteen to start the year right. or whatever. Right. But um I always love those the weird opening week batting uh stats where it's like, you know, someone has someone hits three home runs on opening day and then hits two home runs the next day. And like he's got five home runs, and the next closest person has one. And it's like, <laughs> he's on pace for 10 million home runs, you know? <laughs> uh, I really did. Right now, this week, which would have been opening week, I think, right? Or maybe next week. I can't remember. No, it's this week. Um, I really I, I had a, a hankering for an, a good opening week, weird batting line that that I could uh, look at and enjoy extrapolating over the course of the season.
0: Uh, I like best. I I like the early overreaction to those like that goes even beyond the numbers, you know, where cuz like if a guy hits like two home runs on opening day and then like one home run each of the next two days, like he's still leading the league in homers two weeks later, you know? I mean like four is right. still like, you know, so his name is still up there. So you still think that he's having a good year, and you, you know, you're just like, oh, that guy's, you know, and he, but he might not hit another home run the rest of the year, and and yeah. uh, but yet, for because it's early, and you get that right on the top of the leaderboard thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite delightful. Quite so delightful.
1: Through 17 games, he's
0: on fire. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With my uh, second pick, I would I would love to be sitting at a ball game now and watch somebody hit a routine fly to center field and watch people in the stands go crazy. Like he had just hit a home run. Like I like that, that thing like really annoys me. Not, not, not in the sense of like that the people who are doing it are doing it wrong. It just annoys me because like quite often it's, it's the guy has to come in on the ball. Like the outfielder has to come in on the ball and then the whole thing feels like this enormous letdown and 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 you know you you're just like no he the, the the guy didn't even come close um so so i i find that to be annoying when i'm at the game and yet i would do uh as we say anything uh to to be there right now surrounded with a whole bunch of people who think every fly ball is a home run <laughs>
1: I'm with you. That's a good one too. Yeah.
2: These are Bring good.
0: Out.
1: Nick. <laughs> Nick, you got the third pick. All right, my third pick. Um I'm going to I'm going to switch over to uh football, um which in, in America sometimes referred to as soccer. Uh, <laughs> there there's a practice um I was I shot a TV show last year in in uh, England in London and Manchester. And I got to go see some football and holy cow was that uh the best thing about it was the fans was the songs that they sing, yes, they have this whole catalogue of songs, and they're they're it's it's a growing organic uh organism, so like especially with social media for like every match, depending on things that are current events or in the news or if they get a new player they'll create these new hilarious songs comparing opposing players to pornography actors and (laughs) you know just as as a half a stadium like massively cheering and singing to the other team's uh fans which they call your support The, the songs will just say things like your support blows except they <laughs> they're even more colorful in their language and i find that really rousing and enjoyable that said uh the thing that that i would love to see more of today um is what i've heard referred to as flopping when yeah. a uh when, when a player is, is perhaps lightly tripped or fouled and they uh, they put on quite uh, an Oscar winning performance, of <laughs> flailing their arms about um, and, and looking as though they, they've been tossed uh, down some sort of uh, Nordic chute. Um, I'd love to see some flopping today.
2: Yeah, there's, there's pretty good flopping in the NBA. You should watch more NBA um yeah. they they're pretty good they're not as good as the the european soccer players and <clears throat> the brazilians are both uh expert floppers there's a lot of good flopping in soccer when it, the, the most fun parts are when they get like hit like they get tripped or something and then they grab their faces yeah. as if their face <laughs> was tripped it's very confusing but um the brazilians are excellent at that uh but there's a lot of there is a, there's very good flopping in in soccer although now with VAR video aided review or whatever it stands for. Um, They, they do catch the floppers more often. If they guys used to flop flop in the box a lot in order to try to draw penalties. And now um, they're caught a lot more uh, when they do flop. So there's maybe less flopping than there used to be, but yeah, flopping is flopping is the best. It's so funny.
0: There, there are two, two of my favorite, there are two of my favorite floppings in in addition to the grabbing of the face. One is the flop where, you're a defender and you flop and then you, you put your hands on the ball. Like, like literally like I am like, I am so out of control. I can't control my, and then you put your hands on the ball so that, so that either the, the, the referee is going to call, you know, hand ball, which they never do, or they're going to call a penalty. So it's like, as soon as not a penalty, but a foul. So as soon as you fall down as a defender on the ball, that seems to be like instantly like you have to call the foul even if it was a very clear flop. And then, and then my second favorite one is the flop that is followed by five minutes of writhing around when you're not really hurt. Yeah, Like, like, like like what, like, what are you going for? Are you going for like a red card? Is that, is that what that is? Like sometimes you'll just see and you're like, Oh, that guy must really be hurt. And then they pop back up after five minutes and, and, and are just fine. Uh, so I don't know what that is maybe they're tired like what why do why do floppers stay on the ground for that
2: long No they're trying to draw a card definitely I mean it, it's better than it used to be because a, a while ago they would flop down on the ground and writhe around in pain and the medics would <laughs> rush on with that little handheld stretcher thing <laughs> Yes and pull Yes them off the sideline and then they would their team would be playing a man down and they would have to like go through a certain amount of like walk i'm walking it off i'm tough or whatever and they would like run back in and be fine so like it was like but it was like always like there was this little elite medical like un health squad that would run out and bring it to the sideline and then they would have to like wait a certain amount of time to make to make it seem like it was legitimate and then they would just run back on like nothing happened um they don't do that as much anymore but it is hilarious
0: i always thought that, that when they would come out with that little stretcher they first of all they they get you on that stretcher really fast and then they but then once they got you to the sidelines, they'd like dump you on the, like they would just, they would, they would just like, all right, you're, you're fine. And they would just dump you on the sidelines. And then, and, and then you were like on your own, like, like leaving, like a, like a, like a, an orphan at a door or something, they'd just dump you there and then they ran off and then, and then you pretended to be walking it off and then you're on, you're back in the game. I miss that. Actually. I think that should come back.
2: Well, my third pick is, um is a very specific thing, which is, combinations of numbers that recall March Madness. Now, I don't care about March Madness anymore. I haven't watched the NCAA tournament in in years and probably a decade in any meaningful way. I'll tune into the championship game, maybe. But generally speaking, I don't care. But yesterday I was scheduling a Zoom meeting and someone sent an email that said, are you available 12 to five? And just seeing the numbers 12 and five, which is the traditional (laughs) first round matchup, the five seed versus the 12 seed, yeah, uh, it just made my heart like leap into my chest, and I had the thought of like, man, I would give anything for a twelve-five and March Madness <laughs> matchup right now. You know, San Diego State versus Duquesne or something that you don't care <laughs> yeah. about at all. But it's it's twelve thirty in the afternoon and on a on a Sunday on the opening week of the tournament, and you just flip on the TV and you you hear those sounds of squeaking and bouncing and cheering and stuff. And then the 12 seed is like ahead by four with three minutes left. And you can't help it. You get kind of sucked in and you root for the 12. And then you get those weird things where, like, the second round is the 12 13 game or whatever. <laughs> um, those those seeing those little number combinations 116, 215, 314, 413, 512, 611, 710, 8, 9, like, just anytime I now see any of those numbers next to each other, it makes me realize that we're missing this dumb thing that we cared about too much in the old days, but now I would give anything to be able to care about it as little as I did before.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with that on my third because my third is I also have lost uh, just about all interest in college basketball. I, I, I don't believe I I watched one game. Uh, this year, uh, only because my daughter, um, will be going, you know, knock on wood, will be going to the university of Kansas next year for her to be a freshman. And, um, and she didn't know or care anything about basketball. And I said, well, you have to watch like, they're, they're good. They're always good. So you have to watch a Kansas game. So that was the only game I watched all year. And, uh, and I watched it and I was fine, but I was like, I don't miss this. So I don't care about college basketball. Um, anymore. I used to and I don't. But I I would give anything for those last two minutes of a close game when it seems like each coach has hoarded 75 timeouts. Like that that feeling of like this game I mean it's not it's not just the cliche this game will never end. It's that that feeling of like I I I might as well leave and come back because over the next oh. you know 12 minutes or so of real time, I'm going to see nothing. I'm going to see one play and then there's going to be a timeout and then they're going to go to a commercial and we're going to see Tostitos ads and then, and then they'll come back and they'll run one play or they might not run one play. They might not be able to get the ball in bounds at which point they'll call another timeout and then we'll see a Geico commercial and then they'll come back and then they'll run a play and then they'll call timeout and i don't know how many timeouts they get in college basketball i mean i know the nba has some of this as well but it it feels to me much much more uh intrusive in college basketball um i don't know how many timeouts they get but it feels like an infinite number of timeouts and yet i would be yeah give anything to to uh be watching those tostitos commercials and and then coming back to the college basketball game
1: well Mike, uh, you should weigh in because my uh, my next pick actually piggybacks on this.
2: Okay, uh, go ahead. You don't need me to weigh in. <laughs> All
1: right, uh, <laughs> I, that's right. I don't work for you anymore, uh, <laughs> um, but would be happy to again. Uh, the the thing. I would say even on top of that Joe is that um not only do you have the the never ending timeouts but when a team is is down by 2 with a minute left and they go foul crazy with every every op- given opportunity they'd foul to stop the clock in the hopes that you know somebody will make zero or one free throws and and they can get back on top but it's so often the team will be down eight or 10 points with a minute left and they still do the same thing and they go foul crazy. And it's those excessive fouls uh, in, in conjunction with the timeouts that drive me absolutely up a tree. If you don't, you know, if you don't have a shot, let play the game, you know, play basketball. Don't uh, keep nickel and diming away at the clock because the the last couple minutes of the game ends up taking as long as the first three quarters.
0: This is so true. And this leads to me asking Mike and then Nick, if you want to weigh in as well, Mike, where are you on the Elam ending? On the Elam ending? You know about the Elam ending, right? The Elam ending. They just used it in, uh, in the NBA uh, all-star. game. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, love it. Love it.
2: Love it. Love it. Think yes. It's great. Invented.
0: Yeah. Invented by my friend, Nick Elam. Uh, and the ending essentially is that at some point, this is to end all those things that you're talking about. At some point, um, you know, after a certain amount of time, they stop the clock. So there's no more clock. And uh, at that point, the uh, there's, a, there's a score you have to reach. And the score can be, I, I, you know, I think for college basketball, I think he wanted it to be, Whatever the winning team, the leading team has plus eight, maybe, plus seven. Yeah,
1: seven or eight.
0: Yeah. 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 And and then, then then they just play until the, the team gets the winning score. And yeah, great. it's so brilliant. To me, it's so brilliant. I like not only do I think everybody should be doing it immediately. I can't believe we haven't been doing it. I mean, it's it's like it's like it really is truly like the discovery of gravity or something. It's sort of like oh yeah, the this now this makes complete sense. Why why in the world are we not doing it this way?
2: Uh, well, for my fourth pick, um, just because we're ninety eight minutes into this already, um, <laughs> uh, I miss Tim Kirchgen. Now it, it should be sure. noted, Tim Kirchgen never annoyed me. Um, it, so and I so this is a little bit off spirit of the draft. Uh, I love Tim Kirchgen and I like him telling me things about baseball that tr- seem to truly somehow still delight him after all these years. Um, but I, I, it, uh, so I, I'm, I'm blowing up the concept of the draft here because he's never annoyed me. But it is a thing that I feel as a distinct lack of presence in my life that just Sunday nights, especially, but also some Wednesday nights and some other nights, there's Tim Kirchgen just telling me that the, that the Dodgers outfield has a chance to be the greatest out statistical outfield of all time, or that, um, that, you know, uh, Max Scherzer has thrown 71 cut fastballs in his last three starts and not a single one of them has been hit into fair territory or whatever. All that's all those little minutiae of baseball. I, to me, Tim Kirkson is the delivery mechanism for those things. And um and so even though he's never annoyed me and I'm so I'm blowing the draft, I don't care. I'm just going to tell everyone that I miss Tim Gertgen.
0: Well, I kind of feel like in the last few picks, you're not taking things that deeply annoy you. It's not like, no, it's not I, like the rating thing in college basketball annoys you. Or no, anything. I, I kind of feel like
2: I just drifted into things I miss.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you sort of drifted into little things that I miss about sports, which is, yeah. which is, you know, as, as you know, there are no rules. So um, Tim Tim Kirkjian is delightful. You and I mentioned Tim Kirkjian in our in our uh, uh, infamous uh, Toronto Blue Jays Texas Rangers playoff. Uh, That's right. Yes, story. Right. Yep, we, yep. we specifically gave Tim a little a little love. I guess we like to think it was Tim's a delight. Tim's a delight, and he, you know, but but you know, Jason Starks a delight, and Kenny Rosenthal's a delight. They they. They'll They'll give you stuff. They'll give you stuff that they, they make the game a little more exciting. Nick, yeah. yeah, you feel good. absolutely.
1: i I am happy to support um, Mike's sentiment to just stop uh, for the moment with things that annoy us and uh, and touch on just things that we miss. I mean, d- you know different all these different entities uh, during this quarantine time are doing these heartwarming things. Um, on social media, like uh, pe- you know, um, my a great guitar company called Collings. The, um, all these different musicians are are posting videos of themselves playing songs, um, and the Cubs uh, are are posting you know highlight uh, videos from National League Championship games from 2016, or or sure. little you know pieces about players and whatnot. And um, they were uh, showing a clip of Javi stealing home, and um, and just the the voice of our charismatic radio radio announcer Pat Hughes almost brought me to tears. Like that, yeah. I said. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Please <laughs> just let me hear if pat hughes could just um could just call my day like well nick looks like Nick's gonna make it out into the yard here he goes he's heading for the door and he's through he's into the grass like i, I would give anything to to have that guiding hand so i get it
0: tim kirchin we miss you we do miss you well he's still around tim Tim is still around. Well, we'll we 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 got to get Tim on the podcast. We we'll, we'll get him on here and see if he'll chat up a little bit. Um I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and follow Mike's lead and sort of shift a little bit into little things uh that that I that I missed that I'm surprised to miss. Maybe maybe that's a way to 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 look at this. Um and and you know this is really with the best of intentions, but I miss watching games that I don't know how they will turn out. Um, One of the, one of the uh, obvious um, uh, consequences of what we're going through is that everybody's replaying all of these old games. They're everywhere you turn are all of these old games. It's like the world has turned into ESPN classic. And I think that's good. I think that's, you know, that's, it's good. It's, it's any sport is better than no sports, but I have found that it is worn on me much quicker than I would have hoped. Um, Like I tried to watch like, Oh yeah. The North Carolina Georgetown basketball game. That's great. Or, or Hey, there's, you know, me watch the Phillies uh, win the world series in 80 and it's fun for like a little while, but I, I I realize that a huge part of what makes sports so great is that you don't know how it's going to turn out. And you don't know what's going to happen next and you have no earthly, you know, when, when something ridiculous and absurd and wonderful happens, it's, it, it has this power that, that it'll never have again, you know, and even on replay, it'll, it'll never be, you know, it'll never be the same watching, uh, you know, watching, you know, that, that, uh, that, that bat toss, the uh, Batista bat toss, it'll never be the same as it was watching it that first time. So, um yeah, so I guess I had not thought about it that way much because we had no reason. There was nothing but live sports happening for many, many years. Uh, but I found that wow i i i'm not I'm not as into the into the romance of nostalgia of the old games and 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 miss uh, the suspense and surprise of the new ones.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. It's the ESPN Classic is fun, but it's not ESPN. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 and it kind of gets old. Like, if you could just check in with an old game every now and again, it's like, oh yeah, that's well, it's really cool. It's really cool. Like sometimes on on the old ESPN classic, I don't know if they still do that. They would just show like a 1977 Utah Jazz game, uh and you'd be watching like, and you wouldn't even know the result. So they did have a little bit of surprise to it, and it'd be like, this is great. But even at, even that, after a little while, you're like. Okay, that was like an hours worth of fun, but but yeah, I don't care now. And uh I kind of get that same feeling a little bit and we're just in the very early stages of this. So, uh yeah, so I desperately miss that that feeling of suspense. Well, all right, Nick.
1: Your last pick. All right, marching on. I um I'm going to swing back from uh from things that we just straight up miss to something that is annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the sense of retaliation uh, in sports, which happens across uh, all sports, but I'll, I'll be specific and refer to hit by pitch. Uh, when when teams start to get their hackles up like the they're, like they're teenagers uh, in, a, in a cult league game, and, you know, your manhood is on the line if you don't hit the other – Team, the other guy, because they threw at your guy, um, that 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 sensibility drives me crazy. I'm I'm a flawed uh, male human, and so uh, dealing with my own uh, vitriol and like animalistic rage at times is something I've agreed uh, to to deal with in society and be a functioning member. And I wish that our major league pitchers could follow
0: suit. Could not agree more. Look, when we went to that Cubs-Pirates game, what happened? A whole bunch of hit-by-pitches. We didn't need that.
1: It was a festival of (laughs) hit-by-pitches.
0: Those mean pirates.
2: Well, I'm going to go go with something for my last pick that um, is sort of actually related to what you said, Joe, which is highlights of games I've already seen. Like there's a, you know, being a sports fan, you watch a basketball game or a baseball game, and then maybe you're watching Sports Center or something later, and you, and it gets around to the time when you, when they're covering that game. And it's annoying because you're like, yeah, I know, I saw this. <laughs> like, right. There's the alley oop and good, and there's that great defensive play. And you're kind of just waiting for them to just kind of skip forward to a thing you haven't seen. But now, like, there is also a little joy in that because you were there and you, you know what happened. And you remember those exciting plays. And also it's interesting to see what they chose to put in and what they didn't, you know, they skip some of the stuff that you would have put into the highlight reel if you were running things <laughs> and they leave stuff out that there, they add stuff you wouldn't have added. And, you know, you sort of have that feeling of like, how could you show the that d- defensive stop without showing what led up to it, which was that incredible <laughs> offensive rebound or whatever. Um, it's kind of annoying normally, but, um, but I do, but now I miss that feeling of like, that's right. I was at that game or I watched that game. Yeah. I know exactly what's going on. So, I I'm, I'm looking forward to that again.
0: I like that. I like that. That is so true. You you feel like you could be so much better producer uh, of games you actually saw. And it makes you realize that you're just getting half the story with these with these highlights. You're not getting the real story. That's right. All right. With my uh with my fifth pick, I'm going to pick what I think is the single I don't know, but it's probably the most annoying thing, I I think, in sports. Um, And that is the tomahawk chop, which apparently is, you know, you can't escape it. Like there's like like it it shows up like in the places, you know, it's going to show up like, you know, that they're going to do it in Atlanta and, you know, they're going to do it at Florida State. And then now, you know, that the Chiefs fans are going to do it. And then, you know, you keep going and then suddenly it's like you see it in 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 other small college places and it's awful it's all look i'm not here to argue whether or not people should do it or not politically correct that's we don't do that on this podcast because we're meaningless but i hate it i hate the thing i think it's stupid i think it's 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 intended it's it's just there's nothing good about it at all but you know what, the next time I see the tomahawk chop, wherever it happens to be, I'm going to be like, sports are back. Like sports, like I'm, I can be angry about something that is really kind of meaningless and, and and feel good about being angry uh, instead of facing the the black uh, world that we are facing right now. So, uh, so even the tomahawk chop, which I would list as as, you know, on the lowest of the low, I, I I'm going to miss.
2: Even casual institutional racism <laughs> spread, spread throughout 60,000 fans would be a welcome fight uh, right now. Although, again, if it does, if we get to the point where people are in stadiums doing the tomahawk chop because we have gone back to normal, then yeah. it's incumbent upon all of us to say, I'm glad we're back to normal. I'm glad sports are happening again. Also, this is racist and you
0: should say, <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying the first five minutes of it, you go, look, this is normalcy, right? This is, we are back in the game. And then you're like, okay, now I can be really ticked off about
2: this. And then you say, now that it's normalcy and we're happy about the normalcy, let's talk about how bad it is that this is normal.
0: (laughs) Speaking of that very quickly, since the n f l is going to insist on like continuing as if nothing is happening right they're just gonna they're gonna have the draft they're gonna keep going on, which is which by the way I'm not saying that's bad there I've talked to numerous people out there who who love it they're like, you know what that's the one bit of normalcy in my life is that there's still n f l news and and it makes me happy, and I'm all for that. You know what would be amazing is if during this crazy time that we're in when we're all looking for the helpers and we're all trying to make a difference by, you know, staying home and, and, and everything else. If in the middle of all this, Washington announced they were changing their football name. Would that not be like the most awesome thing?
2: That would be incredible. I <laughs> That should be your one last meaningless thing. <laughs> that, you, that you hope right now is the moment that Daniel Snyder changes his mind. It's one less meaningless thing. To end this meaningless thing We talk about sports and we draft things we know Like how beaches are terrible places to go No hot fruit for Michael No Diet Coke for Joe The podcast
0: wall It's one last wall Yes. That would be it. That's gonna be my one last meaningless thing. If you want to become like a true legend, look, you're right now, Daniel Snyder, you are, I would still say the most hated owner in sports, right? Don't you think he's still number yeah. one on that? He's list? I mean, yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it's certainly, certainly you're in the picture, you know, you're in the photo. Um, dude, change the name right now. Like make the announcement, like no pressure. Nobody's even talking about it. It's like, could not be further from anybody's mind. Just say, Hey, listen, and don't even don't announce it like at a podium or anything, just literally put out like a tweet and just say, Hey, I've thought about this. you know, I, I appreciate that, that, that this is a big part of the team's history. I, I know that many people uh, embrace that, but Let's be honest. It's racist. It's wrong. We are trying to come together. We are now known as the Washington Hogs. Do it tomorrow. That would be yeah. like the greatest thing ever.
2: The Washington Riggins. It even sounds the same. <laughs> it does. I it does
0: it. sound the same. The Washington Riggins. There we go. Um, all right, Nick, I, I, you have a meaningless thing? All right. Uh it's,
1: for those listening wasn't that a pleasant uh ditty we just heard I, that's one of my favorite songs in <laughs> in the history of my life um although it, it should be noted if you're new to the podcast it should there, there's a new version that says uh no diet coke for joe correct to more diet coke for joe but joe lost the, the no i uh,
0: i have news i have news what? uh Yes, this is this is very exciting. Jesse, uh this week hearing that Nick was going to be on the podcast sent me the uh new version. So there is a good chance Jesse Barber uh re-recorded it on her couch uh while in quarantine, uh re-recorded the song so that it says No Diet Coke for Joe uh and uh and if I'm smart enough to figure out how to get that to our producer uh, that will be the the version you will hear. So there you go. a little well, bit of podcast news
1: the, if if uh, If you see a bearded guy smiling running down a road <laughs> in Los Angeles, that is why. Um, for my one last meaningless thing, I read this the other day and i and this is this is really <laughs> stupid and nerdy and perfect for this category. Um, so in england uh, there's this term, this slang term posh. For when people are like more upper crust, muckety muck, like high fashion, you know, like if, if you order the uh, the expensive meal, that's that's posh. But if you just order the, the plowman's, that's that's more like working class and it's something I've heard, you know, my whole life. And um, I just read the other day that it's actually an acronym and it, it uh, was created when the British would take ship journeys to india um based on the heat of the sun and i think also where the scenery was at certain times their tickets would read uh posh port port out uh starboard home p-o-s-h posh so port is the left side of the ship starboard is the right and so, depending on where the sun and was making the ship more comfortable, if you were a muckety muck, if you could pay more, you would get the port out, starboard home, or the posh seat. Huh? And I, I was fascinated to learn because it it's, it sounds right. It's like oh, it's, oh, you have uh, you have this that fancy jacket that's so posh. Um, but to learn that it's that weird acronym fascinated me. It, could anything be more meaningless?
0: I my jaw is dropped. Uh, you have you have taken this to an entirely new level. You just you've just taken meaningless thing to to a whole new level. Um, well I will done. never forget that. I will yeah. never. Ne- I'll I'll forget what the words are, but I will never that that the, the make the acronym. But I will never forget now that posh is an acronym.
2: Well, for my last uh, for my one last meaningless thing, uh, we've been. This might be the all-time record. We're an hour fifty-six minutes in to this uh, podcast. Um, in the time we've been doing it, the poll ended, and seventy-eight hundred ninety-two votes were cast. And okay. full mose beard, seventy uh, percent; shaved head, thirty percent. So I am on on track to uh, grow a full mose beard over the course of, according to Nick, the next seven to nine months of my life. <laughs> I uh, was
0: 12 to 14 now
2: <laughs> and uh thank you again to everybody who donated money i encourage again everyone if you have money to spare find a regional food bank or another essential service in your hometown throw them a little cash they could certainly use it um and uh i will give daily or i guess probably weekly updates on my twitter account ed ken tremendous about how this awful beard growth is coming in <laughs>
0: we're all excited to a little bit of meaning with getting people to uh to give to their food banks and uh and then we can't wait to see you in the beard it's going to be great it's going to be great it really is all right nick nick thank you so much for joining us for like seven hours like we've chosen thank you so much
1: joe mike thanks for having me
0: michael as always
1: thanks thanks for having me.